Yay, you're back. So thrilled that you're here with me today. I am sharing a conversation with two people I find absolutely delightful, Layla and Kevin Palmer. If you already follow The Lettered Cottage on Instagram, you already love them. I have been following their home decor account for over 10 years. And that is saying something, if an account makes the cut for more than 10 years, that is a vote of confidence. I truly enjoy watching them. They are hilarious, endearing, and so talented. So let's dive into our episode, The Pioneer of Education. I'm Sharon McMahon, and welcome to the Sharon Says So podcast. Yay! I'm so excited. Kevin and Layla Palmer are here with me today. Just some of my favorite, favorite humans that I have truly enjoyed following on Instagram and on your blog for over a decade. Which is like, what did I say? What did I say? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's a long time ago. I was a, a long different time ago. person. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, nothing. You haven't said anything other okay. than just being your delightful self. Thank you. I find other people's like homes beautiful and lovely and whatever, but decorating is not my gig. I still love to follow you. Government isn't my gig, but I still love to follow you. Look at how that works. Look at how that works. So I have a story today that I want to share with you that I think you're actually going to get a kick out of. I think you're going to leave and be like, didn't know that. That is interesting. That's every time we visit your account. Yes, exactly. Every time. Well, I've not heard that story before. Um, Okay. You guys have probably heard, however, of the name Noah Webster. Do you know who he is? Oh boy. It's not a quiz. If you don't, you'll figure out who he is. Okay. Okay. So Noah Webster, born in the United States in the 1750s. That's why I don't know him. (laughs) (laughs) My 1750 genealogy is shaky. Yeah. Uh Born in the 1750s, so predates the Constitution. He was very, very bright as a child. And of course, education at the time was something that was provided to people of means. To get an extended education was something special. And his parents really had to sacrifice to be able to pay for his education. They had to sacrifice for him to be able to go to Yale. They had to mortgage their house. College was free at the time, but you had to pay for room and board to go to college, which put it out of the reach of most common citizens. Yeah. He's this extremely bright young man. He goes to college when he's 16 in 1774, which is right before the Revolutionary War. Right. Right. So like Boston Tea Party, where America's getting real fed up, where they're like, we're almost ready to be done. Yeah. We don't make some changes. Yeah. We're out of here. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Noah Webster reported catching a glimpse of George Washington as George Washington, who had just been appointed commander of the army by Congress as George Washington was heading north through Connecticut to Boston, where he was going to begin military skirmishes with the British. Noah Webster was like playing the flute in the band when he saw George Washington. Okay. That was like one of his big claims to fame. He later became friends with George Washington. Wow. He did have to leave Yale for a while because his community was called up to fight in the Revolutionary War. He and his brothers and his dad get their guns and they're going to march off to battle. And then by the time they almost get there, they hear that it's over. We won that one. Go ahead and go home. Wow. So things were a little little different than they they are now where you just like, Everyone in this town better get a gun and start walking to New York. (laughs) 
right? Exactly. We're going to see what's up when we get there. And I'm curious about the flute. <laughs> I like that he was playing a flute. Okay, yeah. What else would you want to be doing while seeing George Washington? Exactly. Really, True. Other than playing True. a flute. It seems very <laughs> apropos. So he, he returns back home. He finishes his degree at Yale. He decides, I want to be an attorney. Because that was kind of like the thing that educated men studied. They studied okay. the law. His parents were like, we have no more money. We cannot help you. There's nothing. I'm sorry. So he decides, I guess I can't become a lawyer. What else can I do with all of these skills that I have developed, all of my intellect? I'm going to become a teacher. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Nice. He decides to become a teacher. He later got a job in Sharon, Connecticut as a teacher, which I thought was very cute. Very cute. During the late 1770s, he described the conditions in the one-room schoolhouses as absolutely deplorable. This was his quote about the one-room schoolhouse situation. The one-room schoolhouse was a very poor system of education. They were ill-heated, ill-lit. The textbooks were poorly written and scarce. The teachers were ill-paid. And the guiding rule of the schoolhouse was to spare the rod and spoil the child. A class might have 50 to 70 students with one teacher. Whoa, I just broke out in hives. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine 70 kids ages 6 to 16? Wow. In one room, no teacher listening to this would be like, that sounds great. No. (laughs) He, after teaching for a couple of years, is like, this is bananas. These textbooks are trash. Um, We just fought the Revolutionary War to get away from this ridiculous king of England. And all of our textbooks were written in England. And they're constantly talking about swearing allegiance to the king. Oh, right. Do I have any other options? Okay. I don't want to teach this. So he realizes, no, there are no other options. I'll make my own textbooks. And so he wrote these several different textbooks. His 
first textbook became so wildly popular that over the course of the next 100 years, he sold 100 million copies of his textbook, which colloquially was known as the blue-backed speller. That's a lot of books. You know, like all of the school children of the United States, almost all, would get a new copy every year. And so that's part of what drove demand for his books. In his books, he wanted to infuse this idea that America was really different and also really better. Oh, look at him go. So, <laughs> so he's in some ways writes American exceptionalism, American nationalism into his textbooks. This is one of the things he said about America. This is why he wanted to change the textbooks. He said, America, she laughs at their folly, meaning the folly of England, and shuns their errors. She founds her empire upon the idea of universal toleration. She admits all religions into her bosom. She secures the sacred rights of every individual. And to the astonishing absurdity of Europeans, she sees a thousand discordant opinions live in the strictest harmony. I just got the goosies. (laughs) He went on to say that America will go down with the glory of ancient Greece and Rome. He was riding high on this idea of like the British Empire was defeated by some dudes with muskets. Right. Wow. You know, who had no training and no materials and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yes. So his idea was America doesn't need just political independence. It Mm -hmm. needs cultural independence from England. And so he begins writing about the American use of language, how Americans used words differently than they Mm -hmm. did in England. He started including American geography. Mm. And there were words that people in England didn't know, like the words Colloquially. Colloquially. (laughs) (laughs) Like the word skunk and squash and things that were unique to North America. Interesting. You don't want to, in school, learn only British geography. So he starts going systematically state to state, trying to make friends with all of the leaders of the state and trying to convince them that they should use his textbooks. After he meets with them, he asks for referrals. Can you introduce me to this other person? And he becomes extremely well-known throughout the entire United States because of his concerted effort to meet the people in the know. Wow. He earned a half a cent royalty on every book that he sold. And so he obviously had a financial invested interest in wanting to sell as many of these textbooks Mm -hmm. as he could. As a result of the publication of his blue-backed speller, which again was used very widely in the United States for a hundred years, we invented a little contest that still exists today called the Spelling Bee. Wow. Oh, the Spelling Bee was a direct result of the educational reform efforts of Noah Webster, who thought children should learn how to use language appropriately, and that everybody should have an education, both boys and girls should have an education. When he got married later in life, he and his wife had eight children, and six of them were girls. And so they felt like girls should learn how to read, and girls should learn how to spell, and do more, and learn geography, and learn more than just how to cook and clean. Sure, sure. He later made friends with Alexander Hamilton. 
Okay. And Alexander Hamilton liked Noah Webster, felt mm-hmm. like this is a man we need in American politics. This is a man that we need at the forefront of political philosophy. Hamilton and Webster shared many of the same ideals. Webster was part of the Federalist Party that Hamilton helped found. But even though Webster had this very successful book sales, he had eight kids and he traveled all the time and he didn't have a ton of money. And so Hamilton said, listen, I will send you $1,500 if you will move to New York City and begin editing the Federalist newspaper that I want to start. Okay. $1,500 in 1793. Yeah. Yeah. Or 2021. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah. Right. If somebody sent you $1,500 today, you'd be like, dang, thanks. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's still it's still not a small amount of money. So he did that for a while, you know, became more well-known in politics. This is how he became friends with George Washington. And, you know, he moved to New York and started making a name for himself in politics. And then finally decides... I would like to be an elected representative. I think I had things to contribute. So he moved back to Connecticut where he came from and got elected to the Connecticut House of Representatives and, you know, started deciding, you know, like, I'm going to dip my toes in the water here. Yeah. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I cannot believe that it is already June. The year is literally like, it's almost half gone. What is happening? Why is the year going by so fast? Can anyone relate to this? That it just seems like time goes faster and faster and faster the older you get. And one of the things that I've noticed is that it's important to take a little moment to celebrate your wins, right? Or to evaluate how your year is going so far so you can make adjustments for the rest of the year. And you know what can help you do that is therapy. I know so many people who have benefited from talking to a professional therapist. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Sharon today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Sharon. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. And listen, people message me constantly for information about my skincare products. And yes, I know. Yes, I know that every person who's on YouTube or Instagram is like, you guys have been asking for my skincare routine. And 99% of the time, everybody's like, no, we're not. But it really is true that people message me about my skincare routine. And most of the time, I don't really even recommend products. It just is what it is. But I will tell you that I have been using One Skin's OS1 for both my face and my eyes and I really like it. In fact, I reordered it like with my own dollars, okay? OneSkin is founded by an all-woman team of scientists. We love that. We love a woman in STEM. OneSkin is the first and only skin longevity company to target cellular senescence, which is like senescent cells are cells that start accumulating. And one of the things that the OS1 peptide does is it helps turn off those senescent cells. OneSkin also did third-party clinical studies, and OS1 Face was clinically proven to strengthen the skin barrier, 
which is your skin's primary function to be a barrier, improve skin health markers and diminish visible signs of aging. Wrinkles were diminished in 87% of users. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code SHARON at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code SHARON. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support this show and tell them we sent you. I used to never get my nails done or I would go to a salon and then I'd be mad that I spent all the money and all of that time when my nails would chip not that long after walking out the door. So I just did nothing. Until a couple of years ago when I found the Olive and June Manny system. And now you'll rarely catch me without a home manicure that I've done myself using the Olive and June Manny system. Everything you need is in one box. They will train you. They will show you how to get a salon quality manicure at home. You can customize the Manny system with your choice of six polishes. I am a neutral gal, but they have amazing fun colors. And the polish doesn't chip and it lasts seven days or more. It breaks down to like $2 a manicure. One of the reasons I was so opposed to doing my nails at home is because it always looked like a five-year-old did it. It never looked good, but their videos show you how to do it. And with practice, you will be able to get a salon quality mani at home. By the way, the press-ons are so good. If you have literally five minutes and you want perfect looking nails, the press-ons are an incredible option. They look super real. So visit oliveandjune.com slash Sharon for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash S-H-A-R-O-N for 20% off your first system. He also founded the Connecticut Society for the Abolition of Slavery. He felt that slavery was very morally wrong. Right. right. And believed that it should be abolished. But it was, of course, very difficult at the time to figure sure. out how to make the South do that. Mm-hmm. How right. was yeah. the big question. Right. Okay. That's true of a lot of things. We, sure. we decided we should do X. How do we do that? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Daily. 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 That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's right. True of a lot of things. In 1800, he published an essay in which he announced his intentions to write a dictionary. I knew Boom. that's where you were going. Okay. It's so important yes. so all this delightful. Yes. yes. Because the only dictionary that existed was British. Wow. And he, again, had a strong disdain oh. for the British, the British educational system. Mm-hmm. And right. he believed okay. in... American exceptionalism, but okay. we should have our own dictionary. Got it. As one can imagine, it's not a small endeavor to write a dictionary. Right. I tried <laughs> and I quit at letter quit. B. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to write all the definitions from scratch. Wow. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Yes. He spent over 20 years 
writing the dictionary. His dictionary was not published, like his full dictionary. He published smaller versions of it, but his his tome, okay. his magnum opus mm-hmm. was not published until 1828. So 28 years it took him to write the dictionary. Just him sitting in a room the whole time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Alone while his wife cared for the eight children. Yes. <laughs> Writing the dictionary. So in order to write the dictionary, he needed to learn 26 languages. Because English is that complicated. Right. right. And he had to write definitions for 70,000 words. Did he make a lot of them up? He did not make up the words, okay. but many of the words were never in any British dictionary. In fact, they estimated that he defined 30 to 40,000 of the words that made it into the dictionary that had never been in any dictionary before. But wow. that were being used That were somewhere being else. used. Okay. That were being used in America. Yes. Okay. He also is the reason... We do not spell things the way they do in England. He is the man who was like, we are not going to spell color with an O-U-R. O-U-R. We're going to spell it C-O-L-O-R. Because he felt like language (laughs) should be easier. We should not have extraneous letters that make it harder to understand for the average person. My kind of guy. Say. <laughs> <laughs> so, for example, in Britain, they spell the word check, C H E Q U E. Right. And he right. was like, we should just spell this with an E C K. Right. <laughs> Come on. Yep. The word plow in Britain is spelled O U G H. Right. And it's O W in the United yeah. States. Right. They spell things like center with an R E, and right. we spell it with an E R. <gasps> And words like music used to have a K at the end, mm. M-U-S-I-C-K. Right. And he was like, don't need that K. Oh, get rid of it. He so, doesn't have time. You no. know what I mean? Nope. Yeah. No okay. time. There were a few words that his proposed spelling didn't catch on. Oh. Like he decided that tongue, T-O-N-G-U-E, that's weird. How would I look at that and know that it says Tongue, tongue right. right? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. He believed tongue should be spelled like lung, T-U-N-G. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Why that is... makes more sense than tongu. Yeah. <laughs> tongu. <laughs> like tongue and lung. Yeah. Rhyme. Rhyme. Let's yeah. make it easy. But that one never caught on. A few of the other words that he added just that are, you know, off the top of my head that he added were things like chowder and hickory. Again, uniquely American things that didn't exist in any British dictionaries. When he published his dictionary, he sold 5,500 copies of it. Half of them he sold in England because it had 70,000 words in it and the best dictionary they had only had 30,000 got it okay so it was about even wrap my head around how long that would take 28 (laughs) years 28 years wow hard at work yeah I have a hard time just remembering to take out the trash and fold the laundry (laughs) right like the focus yeah focus that it had to take so here's one of the other issues that he tackled that very well known in American society that we have no Webster to thank which is the idea of a federal copyright 
Wow. Before the works of Noah Webster, every state had their own copyright laws. Okay. And he was like, this is not what is best for America because he felt like America needed its own writers, its own artists. We should not be relying on European writers and artists. We should have our own artistic literary community. And if we want that to proliferate, we need to protect their works. Before that, um, you know, it was very mishmash, very, Mm -hmm. you know, like every state doing their own thing. If you wanted to publish the blueback speller in every state of the union, you had to figure out the copyright in every single state and apply and it would expire. I got to do it over here. Wow. You know, it just was, it was way too messy. And so because he had spent all of these years cultivating political friendships, he was invited to testify before Congress about the issues of copyrights in the United States. They agreed to pass federal copyright law. And he was invited to dinner at the White House by Andrew Jackson and was allowed to watch Jackson sign the copyright law into, into law. existence. Wow. wow. That's cool. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. After his, you know, success publishing the Blueback Speller and his success getting the federal copyright protections, he then decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come out with my own version of the Bible. (laughs) I'm going to come up with my own version of the Bible. Now, he was fluent in Greek and Hebrew. And again, as I mentioned, he studied 26 languages. He was very respectful of the King James version of the Bible, which was published in the 1600s. And he was not going to undertake a new translation of the Bible from the original language. What he wanted to do was replace some of the language from the 1600s, again, which was from the British version of English in the 1600s, and make it make sense in 1830s America. Okay. So this is one of his quotes about his undertaking of his version of the Bible. He says, in my own view of this subject, a version of the scriptures for popular use should consist of words expressing the sense which is most common in popular usage. So basically saying words used to mean something different. 
And when right. it said um, that a long time ago, we don't understand what that means in today's language. Right. Smart. So mm-hmm. for example, King James Bible said things like three score. And he's like, why shouldn't we just say 60? Right, right. You know, um, and it and it described people as mad. And okay. in the 1830s, people would have used the word insane because right. we came to understand mad as meaning angry. Right. Aha. Uh-huh. Right. And you know, words in the King James version that talked about a city in the Bible being fenced. Mm-hmm. He was like, in America, a fence just kind of like keeps your sheep in. Right. right. That's, it's not, <laughs> yeah. that's not what we're talking about. Okay. So right. he replaced words like fenced with fortified, mm. which is more descriptive it of is. what yeah. they were talking about. If you're fortifying a city. Right. That's true. Not putting some posts, wooden <laughs> posts around a city. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. What's that doing? Yes. Also, one of the things he talked about was in the Bible, they use the word coast to refer to the borders of a region. And in America, we understand coast to mean along the seashore. Right. Ah. And at that time, it meant all of the borders, inland and otherwise. So he was like, let's just use border. And then Americans (laughs) will understand this more. Yeah. He is also the reason most of the American Christian church uses the term Holy Spirit instead of Holy Ghost. Wow. Because he came, because. he was like a ghost is like a creepy apparition right. of a dead person. That's right. right? Wow, that is so and interesting. Isn't that interesting? It is. Wow. It has like a negative connotation. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. He is the person who was like, you know what? Let's go with spirit. Mm-hmm. That is more accurate. <clears throat> It's, up to yeah. our understanding. Yeah. It's it's you know? got more life to it yeah. versus like death. Yeah, <laughs> right? right. Right. He was also very upset that there were a lot of grammatical errors in Look, the Bible. He was by... a grammar hammer. He was. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So he wanted to fix some of the grammar, but he also wanted to fix some of the words in the Bible that, as he described, make a woman blush. What? Yes. Tell me more. (laughs) This is what he said. Language which cannot be uttered in company without a violation of decorum or the rules of good breeding exposes the scriptures to the scoffs of unbelievers. It impairs the scripture's authority. You know how we say like a dog was put to sleep. It just feels more comfortable to us than to be like, we paid someone to kill our dog. Right. (laughs) You know know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) So they just used language that just softened it. It softened it. And then you didn't have to blush reading it to your children by the fire. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. In the introduction, he actually outlines, here is what I have changed. It never became, you know, the King James Bible, but he didn't intend it to be. It was based on the King James Bible. It was just meant to be more accessible to Americans during that time period. He never stopped revising his dictionaries. Mm. Never stopped. Like came out with Mm. a second edition in 1840, shortly before he finished writing an appendix to the second edition of his dictionary that, you know, wasn't going to be published yet, but was going to be published in the future. This is in 1843. A couple days later, he starts not feeling well Uh and becomes clear that he's going to die. He's an old man by this point. After he died, 
Rights to his dictionary were acquired by some brothers, George and Charles Merriam. And it's now known as the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Dictionary. Wow, grew up with it. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's how it all ties together. That is so cool. You can find the Merriam-Webster Dictionary online if you go to m-w.com. That's the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. We have one, like a hard copy of one in the house. Noah Webster not only revolutionized education at the time in the United States, he defined tens of thousands of words that had Mm. never been defined before. He standardized spelling across the entire United States. He's why we spell words differently than they do in Canada or England. And he's the father of the copyright in the United States. Uh What a perfect person to talk about. Because we are the lettered cottage. Is that why you picked him? (laughs) I thought I I just thought Layla would love this story. Oh, you know it. I like this guy. Yeah. The only thing is the spelling bee. There were times (laughs) when I was standing in elementary school. My heart pounded and my palms sweaty. I'm like, oh gosh. I loved this quote of his and I'll end the story here. I thought this was such a, just like, mm, that is still applies to today. Okay. He said, in selecting men for office, let principle be your guide. Regard not the particular sect or denomination of the candidate. Mm. Look to his character. Mic drop. Yep. I love Mike it. Drop. I love, I still oh, love it. Yeah. Let's print it out. Yes, literally. <laughs> <laughs> that should be at the top of every ballot. Serious. Right? Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Where was he located? You know, I'm all about a place. Mm-hmm. So Connecticut. Yep. Okay. His home is a historic site now. Wow. You know, Webster House. Yes. <gasps> you can easily find it online. Yeah. RV wow. trip. Yeah, RV trip. Mm. <laughs> This was so fun. It was. Thank you for having us. Yes, I would love to have you back. Oh, Oh, we would love to be back. And you know, we're hoping to head home to Minnesota soon. (gasps) Not everybody knows that both Layla and I are from Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, yeah, don't you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) See, he can do it now too. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just gonna sneak behind you. Right? Don't worry about it. Do you still say that? I'm gonna sneak behind you? We do say we're just bumming around. (laughs) That was a new one for me. Just bumming. Tell everybody where to find you. So we're at Lettered Cottage Mm -hmm. on Instagram. And I want you to tell everybody about the children's book you have coming out too. So it's The Happy Crab. It's coming out this year. (laughs) Yes, and you can pre-order it now. You can. It's on Amazon and it is released October 12th. Kevin had been a songwriter for 20 years and I've been blogging for more than a decade and we kind of pooled our talents and Once we had kids, we understood how important literature and teaching lessons in that way really was. Mm -hmm. Right, the power of story. Yeah. Mm. Like it makes you feel like a little kid again to do a children's book. Yeah. Mm, I love that. And Kevin's dad was a cartoonist for 40 years, so. He was? He was a political cartoonist. Was he? Yes. So, yeah, it was really cool. Yes. And then it's super sweet, I think. Every week, he would hide a little symbol for Kevin and his brother in the cartoon Aww. on the front page of the political section. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with me. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of admiration for people who do that well. Political cartoonists are the reason we have the elephant and donkey symbols for the Republican and Democratic right. parties. Those were just political cartoonists. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. I really hope you will agree to come back. This is perfect. I loved chatting with you. Thank Absolutely. You, thank you so much for having us. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Sharon Says So podcast. I am truly grateful for you. And I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave me a rating or a review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All of those things help podcasters out so much. I cannot wait to have another mind blown moment with you next episode. Thanks again for listening to the Sharon Says So podcast.